Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend, Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this Ninja Pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Listen, if you were here, you'd be eating well, just like all of us are. You'd have homemade everything, including chili, cookies, uh, all kinds of stuff. I think, I'm not sure what I see down there. There's a lot of stuff. It's uh, We eat well here, and if you need to gain a little weight, this is probably the place for you to come. If you need to lose a little weight, God bless you, we'll pray for you, because I don't think it's happening here. But welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, listen, here's some great news. By the way, how many of you heard Monday's show uh, with Pastor Carl Gallup's? Amazing guy, isn't he? Isn't he something? His media team and his uh, his press people are awesome people to deal with, and he is phenomenal to deal with. And it's funny because he was on his way. He had so much fun, he told me, uh, doing his interview with us, that uh, he was actually on his way to an interview, and he realized that an hour had passed already. And, uh, you know, he had to run in and do his other interview, but he's excited about coming back on the show. And uh, and I'm, I'm excited for that, too. So if you didn't hear the show, please... Uh, go to blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor or go to the ninja pastor.com and uh, down ninja pastor.com. It's there. Uh, you know, it's recorded in the archives. How you doing? Uh, it's recorded in the archives. And so you can listen to it there. It's a great place to download. Also share it with your friends. Tell the people, you know, but I want to give you an update uh, on Chris Kahalen. Chris Kahalen, uh after. So I've been talking to him a lot. And uh, actually talking to him, unbelievable. Chris is confounding medicine. Uh, The surgery was a resounding success. He had a lot of cancer in his body. Um, And they took a lot of things out of him and didn't put them back. And they took a lot of things out of him and they did put them back. And they altered some of the stuff that they put in. Uh, But he is doing great. Walking around that night. Uh, They did not expect that for days. Uh, Making the staff laugh and just really, really uh, blessing everyone around him. I know that the Cahalan and Ellingson family uh, were listening last week and the uh, and they're listening this week and I think Chris is listening this week. I want you to know that on our Monday show we had over 600,000 listeners. First time we went over 600,000 ever. So I'm excited about that. Um, we also want to say the reason I'm bringing up that number is because we had a happy warrior praying bunch who believed in the power of God through prayer. And so I'm going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, unfortunately, we had a little bit of setback with Carson, and uh, Carson is back in the hospital after a few weeks, his first Thanksgiving in, what, five years, having Thanksgiving dinner with his family. He's been doing great, went out shooting with his grandpa uh, really been doing great, had a little setback, so we're just continuing to pray that God will work in that. Listen, you need to know that A Soldier's Christmas, it's a song 
I won't say their names because I don't want to broadcast their names over the air of an active duty serviceman uh, and his wife, but he is deployed. He's here. He's a guy who, who does so much for this show, and you don't even know he's doing it. In fact, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Um, he doesn't taunt me like Philly Bob does with food and things of that nature during the show. But um, but anyway, he's overseas in the zone, and, and uh, he's deployed, and we're praying for him. So listen for the end of this show for Madison Rising's A Soldier's Christmas. Um, it is a powerful, powerful song. And so at the end, we're going we're gonna to play that. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's probably one of the best-known verses from the Bible, one of my very favorites, and I want you to dwell on that verse for a moment. It's Christmas. Christmas is, is coming. I have a brain injury, so I don't really know when Christmas is, but I know it's pretty close because you can't drive anywhere. People are crazy. The Amazon near my where I live is crazy because they have extra holiday staff, so I know it's near. I know it's near. I'm just not sure when it is. I think it's the 25th. Fun with a brain injury. I think my family's going to give me all, they're just going to go around the house and wrap stuff. They maybe hid stuff maybe two, three weeks ago. They wrap it up, right? Give it to me. I'm like, oh, man, thanks. I need that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? So I, I want to I wanna key on some things here, and, and I will say this. All right. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so many people have logged in. It's awesome to see you over in in chat i really appreciate it and uh i i really it's fun it's it's we have some crazy people that log in and try to troll i think they call them trolls in the internet world but uh there's a lot of tough people in there they they handle business so thank you for joining us we have people joining us from alaska tonight which is really really cool i love that from all over the world so that's awesome but i have to tell you folks there's never been a message that I've been more excited to deliver than this one. And the enemy has done, seems like all he can do short of taking my life, because God won't let him do that, to keep me from delivering this message. Anything that could happen, happened to try to mess this up. But we're here, and we're going to keep going. But if I vaporize during the message, you'll know that there were other plans. You see, in that passage, the shepherds were afraid. The angel's first words announcing Jesus' birth were, fear not. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus will tell us this repeatedly. Over and over, again and again, he repeats this, fear not. Here's another best-known verse from the Bible. You guys know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, fear and belief are inexorably tied. They're inextricably tied. The gift we have received on this most holy of days, Christmas, was in fact the antidote for fear. I want to let you know that I'm writing as if I needed something else to do. I'm writing three ebooks right now, and one of them deals with fear. It's going to be an interactive ebook. We've already talked to the illustrators and all the people behind it, and it's a go, and I'm working on it now. And you might be shocked to know that this message tonight might very well end up in there. There'll be hyperlinks. If you download it on the Kindle, it'll play automatically if you want, and we might even do an audio version of it that'll be included in case you don't feel like reading, or maybe you can't read, but you're going to have to have somebody else download it for you. Anyway, Christmas, and yet the angels start with fear not. Why not? Hey, there, there's a Savior. 400 years you're waiting for this guy. He's here. There he is right there. No, it says fear not. The first thing the angels say, angels say is fear not. For God did not send his Son 
into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but there's an enemy of belief. The certain fear of condemnation with which every living soul was born could now be exchanged for peace and joy and eternal life with one action on our part. What's that one action? It's belief. And that, my friends, is Christmas all around the world, here in this place tonight, full bellies and hungry, fearless and fearful. I'm here to tell you that is Christmas. That is God's will and gift for us. Only one thing is necessary for all of this. Belief. Easy? I'm going to pursue this throughout, uh, throughout this message, and I'm going to pr- this whole thought, uh, and I'll be very, very thorough. I'm going to start with a story from the Bible about love and fear and belief and then the ultimate gift. This st- these stories that I'm talking about are in three of the four Gospels, Matthew 9, 18 through 25, Mark 5, 21 through 20, 43, uh, and Mark 5, 36 is, is where that quote can be found. Fear not, the ultimate gift. Now, let's look at Mark 18's rendering of the events, just for fun. Because of time, I can't go through all of them, but there's subtle differences that are very, very important. So I encourage you to read all the different ones so you can pick up on the subtle differences, too. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demonized begged him. Now, the hymn we're talking about is Yeshua, Jesus. He begged him, the demonized man who had been driven out the demons from, from Yeshua, not only changed this man's life, but saved this man's life. He begged him, let me go with you, right? Because somebody heals you of this amazing thing. You want to be near them. You never want to leave their presence because there's healing in that person. And this man was full of demons, and then he was full of Christ. But Yeshua would not permit it. Instead, he said to him, Go home to your people. Tell them how much Adonai in his mercy has done for you. He went off and began proclaiming in the ten towns how much Yeshua had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Let me say this. I know I shouldn't do this, and I I don't plan for it, but I have to because I have problems. Uh Let's be honest, that's easy for the audience that's here. You can see it, but even with my new haircut, you can still see the problems. Um, Proclaiming. He said, go tell. And this man who was previously, look, if somebody's not going to listen to you, oh, that's that demon-possessed person. Don't listen to him. He's whack, as my buddy said. He's whack. Don't listen to him. Nobody's going to listen to this guy unless unless he's so compelling, unless he's so full of belief that he can't be denied. You see, a lot of times we see stuff, amazing miracles, and we don't believe it. My buddy Chris, he believed that he was a walking miracle before the first scalpel touched his skin. You talk about a testament of faith. Unbelievable. And Chris, he'll be back on the show, Chris will change lives for Christ for the rest of his life because he believes. You can't proclaim with any amount of convince. You can't convince anybody, right? If you don't really believe what you're saying, you may be a great salesperson, but if you don't believe what you're saying, you know what? You're not going to convince anybody. He went off and he began proclaiming. You know what? I can't tell the story, Lord, because, well, I was a crazy person. I was possessed by demons. Oh, by the way. And folks are mad at you and me because they took you cast the demons out of me into the pigs and a whole year's wages went off a cliff because of me. Nobody's going to listen to me. Did he say any of it? No. He was going one direction. Look, I'm going to get in this boat because I want to be near the one that saved me. And Yeshua said no. Go this way. And immediately he went that way and he went into the ten towns. And he proclaimed 
how much Yeshua had done for him. And not some were amazed. Everyone. Yeshua crossed in the boat to the other side of the lake, and a great crowd gathered around him. There came to him a synagogue official, Yair, which is, you know it as Jairus, which is not actually pronounced Jairus, it's Yeris, but whatever, that's just Hebrew, and it's no problem if we make up names for people, Bible people. I don't think there's any fear of that. Yerus, uh, or Yair, by name, who fell at his feet and pleaded desperately with him, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. He went with him. Look, there's a lot of theology and Hebrew culture in that, and we'll come back to that. I'm just saying let that simmer a little bit. Just let that simmer a little bit as we go on. He went with him. And a large crowd. Now, who's the he? He is Yeshua. Yeshua is tired. Yeshua's been busy. just went across the lake. Crowds are all over the place. Can't catch a break. Can't watch the game. Doesn't have any time. People are always up on him. I see you healed this person. Now you need to heal me. A word. I need a word from the master. And he couldn't catch a break. So he's just calling across. And boom. Here this happens. He went with him. And a large crowd followed, pressing all around him. Among them was a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She had an issue of blood, some translations say. She had been bleeding for 12 years. That number is important. You'll hear more about that in a minute. And had suffered a great deal under many physicians. She had spent her life savings, yet instead of improving, she had grown worse. You see, in the natural, she had exhausted all of her options. There was nothing left for her to do but to turn her eyes upon Jesus. He was absolutely her last resort. But you see, she didn't think of it necessarily that way because she had heard about Yeshua. It's understandable that there were people in this land that didn't know anything about Yeshua. But then all of a sudden, the crowd, you know, and, and uh, the Internet was slower back then. And the, the texting was not as easy. The phones with their stone numbers and the Hebrew number, it's very difficult to text with those. So it didn't get around as fast. But then she heard about Yeshua. So she came up behind him in the crowd And she touched his robe, for she said, if I touch even his clothes, I will be healed. Now, I'm going to read to you a part of the other translation here in a minute, or the other passage in a minute that goes into even greater detail, which is very important. Instantly, that's the first word of verse 29. The last part of verse 28, if I touch even his clothes, I will be healed. And then instantly the hemorrhaging stopped. And she felt in her body that she had been healed from the disease. At the same time, Yeshua, aware that power had gone out of him, had gone out from his body, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? His Talmudim, or his disciples, respond. You see the people pressing in on you, and still you ask who touched me? Right, because there's a crowd of people. I'm sure there was lots of people pressing in on him. It said the crowd was pressing in on him. And yet he knew this one person had a need so desperate that she came specifically to touch the fringe of the robe of the master because she knew she would be healed. And she was instantly. So Yeshua said, touch me. And the disciples said, "You're all these people, you're asking who touched me. All these people look around. No disrespect. Yeshua, we love you. Don't turn us to stone or anything like that. 
I don't think they talk like that. I'm just saying, for my New York audience. All eight people that listen to New York. Upstate, let me hear you. Staten Island, right? And then we have upstate, upstate New York listening too. Great guy. He kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman, frightened and trembling because she knew what had happened to her, came and fell down in front of him and told him the whole truth. Praise God. She decided, I'm going to come clean. And she told the whole truth. This is what happened. He said, daughter. He said to her, your trust We know it is faith. Your trust has healed you. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. Go in peace. Don't worry anymore. Let this thing that you've been walking around with for 12 years, that junk on your back that you've been dragging around, that hurt, that habit, that hang-up, that you've been walking around, that grief that you've been walking around with your whole life, it seems, 12 years, folks, is a long time time. Instantly she was healed because she believed only I can touch the hem of his garment. I'll be healed. And she was. And now she can go in peace because the master, one touch of the master's hem, because of belief, while he was still speaking, Now, the he is Yeshua. People from the synagogue official's house came saying. Now, that synagogue official, another way of putting that is Sanhedrin. We know it as the Sanhedrin, the the ruling class of the the, uh, synagogue. The muckety-mucks, the upper crust, the people with the power. And that person came, the people came from the synagogue. Now, it's not just one person, it's people. Lots of testimonies. Came from the synagogue official's house. They came saying, Your daughter has died. Why bother the rabbi any longer? Why? They didn't believe. Ignoring what they had said, Yeshua told the synagogue official, don't be afraid. Just keep trusting. He said, fear not. Just believe. He let no one follow him. I find this so fascinating. He let no one follow him except for Kepha, Peter, Yaakov and Yochanan. Yochanan with the John, you know, that's the same name, right? That's the same exact name. I don't know. These are not hard to pronounce. Yochanan. Yaakov's brother. Why them? Why did he choose them? Ask yourself that when you read the passage. When you go home tonight or, or tomorrow when you read it or maybe around Christmas time, you want to read back over this and understand that this is powerful stuff. Why them? You'll find out in just a few minutes. When they came to the synagogue official's house, he found a great commotion with people weeping and wailing loudly. You know, they were professional mourners. You know, in the Hebrew culture, the more, the more power you have as a person uh, in the community, the more people you hire to weep and wail when something terrible happens. You actually play them. There's musicians that come and play the flutes and the lairs and all these different things. And he had a lot because he was a powerful dude. So they're there all making their power. They're, they're making a big show of their grief. Anybody that might see or hear. And you know what? Yeshua was unmoved by their inauthentic, their fake grief, their fake emotions. On entering, this is verse 39, on entering, he said to them, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's just asleep. And they jeered at him. Had they not heard about the man who was demon-possessed all those years, and this man cast those demons out into swine that ran off a cliff, and this man's life has changed forever. Had they not heard of all the other amazing things that he'd done? Here's what he says next. But he put them all outside. Why did Yeshua put the jeers outside? I would submit to you, people of no faith or lack of faith, They won't be convinced by what they see. How many things happen in this world? I'm looking at a living miracle right now in the back of this room. I'm telling you there are more miracles in this room than we realize. Why? We're so jaded by life. We're so jaded by things. We plead and we plead and we plead. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, please, please, please. If you just help me with this, I'll this, I'll that. And then he does it. 
And then we immediately go, whew, dodge that one. We go back to our hurts, habits, and our hang-ups. We go back to our vomit, as other scripture says. So Yeshua, he put them all outside. He took the believers, the child's father and the mother, and, you know, the Talmudim. He took them in with them, and he went where the child was. Verse 31, taking her by the hand. This is a dead person, folks. She had lots of people saying, she's dead. She gone. She graveyard dead. And yet, he touched her, the rabbi, Yeshua. In Hebrew culture, you don't touch dead people until they're prepared. You don't, you don't be touching dead people. But he did. Jews don't touch, but he did. And this is what he said to her. I think it's powerful. Talitha kumi, which means little girl or literally precious little lamb. I say to you, get up. At once the girl got up and began walking around. She was 12 years old. That's going to be important. Everybody was utterly amazed. He gave them strict orders to say nothing about this to anyone and told them to give her something to eat. In Hebrew culture, what symbolizes life? It's what we do every single Sunday at 5 p.m. We come here. We bring food. We gather together, and we eat. I did hear, and I think this is so fun, that there are groups that get together that listen to this broadcast. They get together. They have a meal. And they gather their whole family and their friends together. While we have our meal, they have their meal. And then they sit as a family and group of friends, as a community of believers, and they listen. How powerful is that? You understand, Yeshua brought this child back from death. And the first thing he did was care for her. Give her something to eat. It cracks me up that he says, don't tell anybody now. Never mind the whole big crowd out there that he just put out saying, ah, she's sleeping. He says she's sleeping. <laughs> this Jesus, not very smart. Not very smart. Carpenters, you never know what the carpenters are. Some are smart, some are not smart. This one, not so smart. What are they going to say? They're the ones saying, she's dead. And now she's going to walk among them. You know what sometimes you don't have to do? You don't have to say anything. You proclaim with your living how you live. He knew I don't have to give them a message to speak. I don't have to have them tell the story. She was dead, now she's alive. You know, it's been my belief for some time that the only real requirement for salvation is true, unhesitant belief. Decide, resolve, and then stand. You've heard me say countless times, unhesitant. Faith is the only way. You've heard me, the saying that I have, that I'm actually going to trademark, is hesitant faith is no faith at all. Some think that this is easy. Some think that this is too easy. But I have a secret for you. If it were actually easy, Yeshua would not have to repeat this over and over and over. Yeshua also, here in these scriptures, states the main impediment to belief. He identifies, he calls out the main impediment to belief. Fear. And I'm not talking about saying you believe. There's a lot of folks in this world that say a lot of stuff. Nah, 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 nah. Their pie hole just flaps and flaps and flaps. Talking about their belief. The first challenge comes their way. What do they do? They fold like a house of cards on a windy day. I'm not talking about saying you believe. Why? Because talk is cheap. You know, Yeshua could have said, you go into the town's little girl, precious little lamb, and tell your story. She didn't have to. Talk is cheap. Are you alive? You were dead. I heard you were dead. So many people said you were dead. You're dead. Now you're alive. What's happening? I don't have to ask. I don't think they talked like that, by the way, unless they were from New York, which they weren't. They were from Israel, Judea. 
I'm not talking about saying you believe. I'm talking about true belief. I'm talking about the throne-shaking belief that gives you the boldness to act. The belief that eliminates fear. The belief that defies fear. A super smart person, I mean super, 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 super smart person I know, says often, fear eats faith. Faith defeats fear. Thus, faith in the New Testament sense is an action based upon a belief. Believe is the noun. Faith is the verb. The belief is so secure and so powerful that the person is willing to act even to the point of risking death. Because the confidence in what they believe is so strong. I talked with a great friend this week talking about Abraham. It was such an inspired conversation. I believe an anointed conversation, an anointed appointment, a baptism of a, a, a spiritual appointment. So intense this theological conversation was. You think about Abraham, Abraham, right? And Isaac, his son. Folks, you know that story. But you, you've probably seen on the flannel graph, if you're from old school church, a little boy. Come on, little boy. No, he was grown. Some folks say Abraham knew or Abraham knew he wasn't going to have to kill Isaac because God would provide a way. He would stop it. No. What Abraham, Abraham actually knew was, I'm going to kill my child and the creator of my child and everything that I see, each grain of sand, each leaf on a tree, every star in the sky will literally bring my child back to me. He had no doubt. He had thrown Shaking faith. He had confidence in what he believed. You'll notice I didn't say confidence in what you can prove. Rather, confidence in what you believe. Folks, there's a lot of people uh, in society today, and I'll be honest with you, many of them are in the church. Sadly, many of them are up in the pulpit. The fellow I had on the show on Monday, go back and listen to the show, Pastor Carl Gallops. You've got to download that. That fellow believes what he says. That's why I like him. Some, some folks in the room and some people around the country goes, twinsies, you as twins, you and him as twins, you're just a few years apart. You don't know. Crazy how alike our, our uh, backgrounds are and how much we think alike. Society today tells us, well, what can you prove? I'll tell you something. God will handle the proving one day. One day every knee will bow. Look, in this entire passage or story, whatever you call it, the quote, the entire New Testament is summed up like this four-word statement of supernatural fact by Yeshua. Fear not, only believe. It's simple, but it isn't easy. Yerus Oriyari was a ruler of the synagogue. He came to Yeshua because his 12-year-old daughter was dying. Listen, when he left to come there, she was dying. And he believed that only Yeshua could heal her. He probably walked past physicians. He probably walked past soothsayers. He probably walked past many of the fellow Sanhedrin who were supposed to have the power of God upon them. But he didn't. To Jesus. Because Jesus was the only. He believed fully and completely. Yeshua. You're the only one that can save her. Because at that point in time, she wasn't yet dead. You know, that's an awfully big why behind the try. Another one of my little sayings is, what's your why behind the try? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you trying what you're doing? What's your why? Why are you doing it? What's motivating you? That's a big, hey, my daughter is dying, and I want to get to the one person I know can save her life. Yerus didn't go to Yeshua privately. He dropped to his knees, and he begged Yeshua in front of a throng of people. You must understand that doing this exposed him to the retribution of the Sanhedrin and the other synagogue rulers. Why? Because Yeshua at this point in time, was already marked for death. And the people behind it 
for the Sanhedrin. His buddies, his co-workers. And he knew what the cost was. By publicly acknowledging that he believed that Yeshua could save his daughter from death, he was giving up his job and even his own life. He loved his daughter more. His daughter, his precious little lamb, was more important to him than his own life. I know there are many parents and grandparents in this room that would give your life for your children and your grandchildren. And this man was about to give up everything. You see, Yairus, the, the, the Sanhedrin member here who had done something that, culturally speaking, you don't do. You don't get on your – they're wearing fancy outfits. They don't go to Brooklyn sometime and watch the, the, the high priest. Watch them. They have young Talmudim running in front of them, throwing their cloak across a dirty part of the road, and they're wearing the most ornate things. They don't get dirty. It's a big deal. They're the big deal. But Yerus was desperate, and he was afraid, yet Yeshua didn't hesitate. The passage reads, and he went with him. But there was a delay, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Before they could get to the girl, there came word that she was dead. Yeshua overheard and immediately said to the ruler, said to the father of this child, Do not fear, only believe. You know what? Yeshua didn't ask what modern-day preachers from the soft pulpits across America You know, they would say, oh, are you afraid? Are you sad, Gairus? Are you sad? No, we'd make up some stupid American name for Gairus, you know. I don't know what we would call him. I haven't thought of that part. I should have thought of that before I started talking. You know, my mouth's in a whole different gear. He didn't say, he didn't ask him, hey, Gairus, do you trust me? Did he dialogue with him on some deep sense? Did he question all the fear that man had? No. Yeshua knew that despite the exhibition of faith, and I mean at a great cost, exhibition of faith in the ruler coming to him, that the father of this dead child, he would indeed, obviously, and understandably be terrified. And yet Yeshua wasn't mad or disappointed in the man, and he certainly wasn't surprised. Why? Because Yeshua knows that fear is real and justified, and it's part of our fallen world. And you know what else? Fear is a real impediment and danger to God's ability to help us. Yeshua also didn't say or ask with a pious smugness that only Yeshua would be qualified to display, to feel, and to express. Do you, do you have any unconfessed sins? Do you repent of your sins? No, he didn't say anything like that. He said, I'll tell you what he said. He made it simple. He made it only two things. You see, we make it hard. Don't we? We make it so hard. We make everything so complex. There's so much more to it. No, there can't be. It can't be this simple. can't be this. There's got to be 37 steps. There's only two. He made it simple for this man in this place and time where he was desperate and he was afraid and he was terrified for his child. He said, fear not. Number one, and believe. Number two, listen, if you switch it around, if you fear, you won't believe. If you don't believe, I can't help you. Look, this isn't about Yeshua's ability to help. Y'all, he had already put demons out of a man. He'd already run the pigs, the swine that he threw the demons into, off a cliff. He'd already done miraculous, amazing things just touching the hem. We'll talk about that in a second. It isn't about his ability, Yeshua's ability to help. It's also not about Yeshua's desire to help or God's will for the child to be healed. Those are a given. The delay that Yeshua's, uh, you know, Yeshua's delay in going to Yadris' house, I told you I would tell you what that was. That is the reason. Because right before that, on the way, he healed the woman with the issue of blood. She was healed entirely by faith in Yairus' presence. 
But Yeshua immediately made it clear to Yairus that if he chose fear, the girl wouldn't live. It wouldn't have mattered that Yairus came to him or that God wanted to heal his daughter. It wouldn't have mattered because if he didn't believe, it wasn't going to happen. Fear again and again and again and again and again is the enemy. Fear is always the enemy. I'm here to today. Today I'm here. I believe this fully and completely in my heart. I'm here today to give you this word, this word, fear. It's still our enemy today. Yeshua made it clear how things work here on this earth. We have a clear choice. We can choose fear or we can choose belief. It's fear not and believe. I'm sorry, folks. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. Fear and belief cannot coexist. They can't. They don't work together. They, you can't do both. You can't be afraid and believe at the same time. It won't happen. And sadly, Yeshua makes it clear that here on this planet at this time, what we're living right now, if you choose fear, then guess what? Fear wins. You need to understand this. Yeshua doesn't want it to be this way. And you know what? I'm here to tell you. This is the word. It doesn't have to be this way, but we choose it. The Bible says that Yeshua came to undo the works of the devil. Fear is the devil's creation, just like everything the devil does. But everything the devil does is what? A subtle perversion of the truth. And its opposite will defeat it. A house divided, folks, cannot stand. Look, I'm going to close tonight's message with Romans 15:13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Here's some things to think about. Prior to Yeshua's birth, humanity had no choice. They had no choice. Fear was reality, and it was the only thing. I, I want to point this out to you just to show you what a powerful library of books Scripture is. The woman healed of the issue of blood, she had suffered for how many years? Twelve years. Yerus' daughter was how old? Twelve years old. The number twelve in Hebrew number symbolism means completeness, governmental foundation. I believe that this is also a clue for us. In God's kingdom, you don't get sick and you don't die. But here on earth, Satan has the power of fear, and you know what? It has a very real effect. We cannot deny the effect. Look, I'm not saying that this is simple and easy. People say, are you afraid? I'm trying to remember the last time I was afraid. I, I, I honestly, that's an emotion God took from me and said, you don't need this any longer. The foundation of this world is corrupted and imperfect. We know this. We know this. We can look around. Anybody watch the testicle-free debate on Saturday night? Anybody? Anybody? You watch that debate. Small bits, right? If you, if you made it back from the bathroom in time to participate in the debate, you know that small bits are about all you could probably take, right? If you can't watch that debacle, I mean debate, then you know, you know how bad a situation this world is in. You know what? In all fairness, the other debate, it was a lot better, but not as much better as it needed to be. Look, we've been given away, and it's not a political way, but we've been given away to defeat this corrupt system. But you know what we have to do? We have to exercise that way. That way, my friends, is Yeshua Hamashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. And Yeshua gives us this very simple instruction this Christmas season. Fear not, only believe. I want to say this to you. And I want, you to, I want you to really think about this. If you hear, hear nothing else that I've said all night long, I want you to think, and you don't have to raise your hand. Obviously, if you're listening over the Internet, I'm not going to see it anyway. If you're driving, keep both hands on the wheel. I'm just saying. How many of you have secret fear? Again, don't raise your hand. You have a secret fear. You, you are riddled with fear. You're riddled with apprehension. You say, man, if I could only let go of this fear, Lord Jesus, if I could only live my life one day without fear, I would be all right. If only. 
deeply sad to tell you that if you've been living your life that way, then maybe you haven't placed your faith in Yeshua Hamashiach. Maybe you haven't said to thee, I surrender all. If you still are living in unabated fear, secret as it might be, then I'm going to ask you the very real question. Have you actually placed your entire faith in the only person that could heal Yaros' daughter? What did the daughter have to do? You see, the daughter, a lot of people read that scripture and they say, well, I don't know what she, I don't know. She was just there. She did. She can't do anything. She's just laying there, you know. What are you going to do? No, he said, get up. He took her by the hand and said, get up. And what did she do? She didn't just stand up and go, wow, boy, I'm kind of sore, kind of tight, kind of average. I've been dead a while. She walked around. You think she knew she was dead? Yes. I think she, she was dead. I've got a news flash for you. Most of us are walking around dead. We don't even know it. We live an unvictorious life. We're afraid to write what God tells us to write. We're afraid to say what God tells us to say. We're afraid to paint what God tells us to paint. We're afraid to live how God tells us to live because of fear. And I'm telling you, fear and belief do not coexist. What are you afraid of today? I'm going to I'm going to say something very simple to you and I want you to think about how simple this is, but absolutely how true it is. Christmas is I don't know how many days away. It's what number is this? 20. 5 days away? 4 days away? Christmas is 4 days away, folks. The most powerful day, a lot of people say. Listen, some people have told me, and it drives me to distraction, well, I'm more into Easter than I am Christmas. I don't know anybody, really, with any common sense that is that. Daryl likes it because he, he, you know, he's not into getting presents. He likes to give presents. Plus, the boy likes candy. I'm not going to tell a lie. The boy likes candy. Tell me, you know, I like Easter better. Let me tell you something. You don't have Easter unless 33 years before you had the hand of God reach down to earth and give us salvation and give us redemption. But you know what? Easter means nothing if you don't fully and completely believe. Listen, if you are having trouble with belief on some things you're struggling with right now in your life, secret as they may be, if you're having trouble with that, I'm going to tell you, maybe your issue isn't that you believe God can heal you. Maybe your issue is that you don't necessarily believe God is God. Maybe your issue is that you don't believe that the breath of God into Nefesh, the being that prayed us, human beings, that he breathed into us life. If you don't believe that as a basic premise, how in the world can you believe God's going to help you? Well, I believe it. I mean, I mean, I do Christmas, and I mean, I, I, I do, I do. Let's see, what's the other religious holiday? Okay, Easter. I do Easter, and you know, I go to church on Christmas and Easter. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. And I have you know, I've been, I think three times in the last, I don't, not even ten years. Three other times, not just three times, but three other times for other stuff like I don't know. Holy Communion and blah, 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 all these different things. Oh, I'm, I go to church. I believe, of course. Really? Do you live your life like it? Do your kids look at you and say, my mom, my dad, my grandpa, my grandma, they believe. They don't say, well, you know, mom and dad, grandpa, grandma, they're, they're on a journey of faith. Yeah. Or do they say, you know what, there's one thing I know. There's one thing I know. My mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa, they believe. Without a doubt. Without restraint. 
Hesitant faith is no faith at all. Folks, you're not going to live victorious if you don't truly believe that 33 years before Easter came a baby. God is not concerned with science. There's a lot of Christians. I've talked to a lot of Christians lately who are saying, well, how many? I'm just going to do this. I shouldn't do it. But I'm still going to do it. It proves I have a brain injury. Um, how many of you saw Bear Grylls, who, by the way, is a powerful, professing Christian? How many know who Bear Grylls is? Right? He's a survival expert. He's British, British SAS. He was at the top of the top of, of British Special Forces. He is revered in all the land. And so he does this show, uh, Survival, I think it's called, with Bear Grylls. He has a whole product line and a whole bit. He's a great guy. But what most people don't know about him is he is an on-fire believer. Who does he have on? He has What does he have? He has guests, right? Celebrity guests. You want to watch somebody have to eat a, a half-eaten salmon, bear ate a part of a salmon? You want to see that, right? You want to see him climb up some stuff and climb down some stuff, get wet and cold and all this stuff? He usually has a lot of stars on there. You know who he had on this past week? Barack Hussein Obama. No offense to Bear, but that was the worst Bear Grylls I have ever seen. Honestly, it was the worst one. It was terrible. And it was all about climate change. They stood at a glacier, which uh, Bear calls glacier, because uh, he's British. I don't know if I mentioned that. But he, he's standing there, and he says, when you became president, this glacier was 800 feet longer. It was all the way down there. And because of Climate change was also winter. And I don't know if you know, but in 2008, there was a whole lot of hot air that was being expended, and it hasn't shut up, and it won't shut up until 2016. Talk about climate change if he just shut his mouth. Uh, but honestly, it was the worst Bear Grylls I'd ever seen. But you know what I like about Bear Grylls? Bear, by the way, owns his own show. The networks came to him and said, will you please do a show on our they paid him a ton of money, too. A ton of money. Bear said, Mr. President, may I do something with you? It was the end of the show. He could have ended the show any way he wanted. Yeah. Radio audience, I will not say to you what some in the audience today said that Bear Grylls might should have said. But we all seconded. it. What he said to him, he said, Mr. President, can I do something with you? He said, Mr. President, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? And he prayed with him. And he prayed for him. And he prayed an anointed prayer. The dude could have done whatever he wanted to do. He owns the show. But he had the President of the United States, allegedly the most powerful man in the free world. And what did he choose to leave as his last, last impression? I Bear Grylls am a believer. Fear not. Only believe. This Christmas, make it mean something. It is not about the gifts. Folks, if you research the whole Christmas tree business, you know that's kind of a pagan thing, and we kind of adopted that, and we said, oh, that's a nice thing, although I have the coolest Christmas tree on the planet. We not. There's folks all, all across the listening audience was saying, no, mine is better. But I'm just saying it is pretty cool because it plays music and it blinks. It does all kinds of stuff to the music. I'm just saying. But I'm saying to you, this Christmas, folks, whatever day that is, whatever day it falls on, what day does it fall on? Friday. I better get cracking. So on Friday, this Friday, coming. Oh, I really better. Listen, this message will be over in like four seconds. No, no, no. I want you to know, let Friday really means something because Friday symbolizes the day when you can fear not and only believe. A soldier's Christmas, folks. I told you I was going to play it. I'm going to play this now. I want you to understand my friends at Madison Rising are awesome people. They're good guys. I know them all. They're awesome. In addition to being awesome musicians, they're awesome human beings. Listen to this, and I want you to think about we have a soldier in this group. I have soldiers that list, tune in from all around the world to listen who will not 
be home for Christmas. God bless you. Listen in tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. have all fallen back home where I'm from Thanksgiving's come Thanksgiving's gone and my family tells stories around their Christmas tree in the warm living room on Christmas Eve and the candlelight shimmers as I write down the song please fall away family and home as the pen hits the paper Shadows grow long, but I stay here a soldier. Just me and my gun on this Christmas, I'll tell you the truth in my heart. From a place that's forgotten, time God and love, I'll stay here, man. My word and faith, there's nothing in this world that I wouldn't trade to go home.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.